Brewing a pot of consciousness with a side of wellness. Quench your curiosity with reality. Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome to Reality, where we discuss our thoughts and opinions under the United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals. I am Sharifah Lufia, your host for today, and joining me are my beautiful co-host, Najma Zarifa. Hello, hi everyone. Isri Natasha. Hi there. And Siti Rauda. Hey, good day everybody. Alright, so the topic that we will be discussing today is on zero hunger. So without further ado, let's get started. Alright, first and foremost, before we start our discussion, I will begin by filling you in on the background of United Nations 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Do you know that the United Nations introduced the Sustainable Development Goals that consists of 17 goals in 2015? Yeah, all countries by various incomes have been urged to take actions by participating in achieving the 17 goals to protect the planet for the future by not leaving any soul behind. Um, Rhoda, can I ask you something? How are the Sustainable Development Goals different from Millennium Development Goals? That's a good question, Sharifa. I would like to justify it in a very simple way. Alright, um, the Sustainable Development Goals SDGs build on the accomplishments of the Millennium Development Goals MDGs, which set concrete objectives and milestones for eradicating extreme worst kinds of human deprivation. The SDGs expanded the scope of the MDGs to cover universal goals such as fighting inequalities, increasing economic growth and human settlements, addressing ecosystems, climate change, sustainable consumption and production, and also building peace and justice. Unlike the MDGs, which solely apply to developing nations, the SDGs apply to all countries, whether wealthy, moderate, and poor countries. Alright, so now let us continue our discussion today with our main topic on SDG Goal 2. Did you know that Goal 2 of the Sustainable Development Goals aims to eliminate hunger? Yeah, the SDGs seek to eliminate all types of hunger and malnutrition by 2030, ensuring that all people, particularly children, have enough and healthy food all year. This includes encouraging sustainable agriculture, assisting small-scale farmers, and providing equal access to land and market. Thus, the official phrasing for Goal 2 is to eradicate hunger, establish food security, improve nutrition, and promote sustainable agriculture. We will be back after the break. Conventional tip. Carry a mini hand sanitizer with you everywhere. Good hygiene protects us. Together, we break the chain of COVID-19. Keep in mind the basics of good hygiene. Use an alcohol-based hand rub or wash your hands with soap and water on your regular basis to thoroughly clean them. This kills any germs or viruses on your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Hands that come into contact with a variety of surfaces can pick up viruses. Once contaminated, your hands can spread the virus to your eyes, nose, or mouth. From there, the virus can enter your body and infect you. When coughing or sneezing, cover your mouth and nose with your elbow or a tissue. Then, immediately throw away the used tissue in a clothespin and wash your hands. Stay up to date on the latest COVID-19 information by checking updates 
from WHO and your national and local public health authorities on a regular basis. Today on the show, we are excited to have Miss Aini Hazika as our guest speaker. Hi Miss Aini, welcome to Reality. Miss Aini, can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Hi everyone, my name is Aini Hazika. I am the co-founder of Nuraini Hazika and Co and also a consultancy company. I'm happy to be here to talk about today's topic because it is something very very close to my heart because as a social activist and advocate, I have been advocating for a lot of SDG topics uh, for almost half of my life. And um so I hope you all be um enjoying like the topic today. Thank you so much everyone for having me in this podcast. I feel honored to share my experience and thoughts regarding this topic sustainable development goals zero hunger. All right. As Miss Aini mentioned just now, she works as an attorney at Nur Aini Hazika and Company. She is a co-founder of Happy Bank Crew and she also volunteers in the community through Girl to Lead Malaysia, Wanita Muda Negara and Human Aid Malaysia. So, Let's dive into the first segment, shall we? What an amazing guest speaker that we have for today, Miss Aini Hazika. Well, I bet you guys really want to know, right, about zero hunger? Do you guys know that zero hunger can be said as a vital issue for developing a sustainable life for the human being? Although unprecedented levels of food production throughout the world, hunger and other types of malnutrition continue to pluck billions of people. Therefore, we have Miss Aini for today. We would like to ask you some questions, Miss Aini, which you can freely answer regarding this issue. First and foremost, Miss Aini, what are the main issues that low-income parents have faced during the MCO? I think most probably is because of like um job security a lot of people lost um their jobs during MCO um business got shut down um a lot of like these businesses cannot sustain during MCO since it's a very long um MCO since March 2020 and a lot of like this um employers had to um cut cut uh, their costs and that has uh, impacted a lot of like social issues as well when there is no job security and job uh, that then uh, it has um, impacted the employment of a lot of malaysians and even non malaysians um it has impacted towards um a lot of like um, social issues like divorce um divorce cases uh, mental health um and even um uh, the, the the education of our children etc So um it, it goes back to like um the, the the security of like the people um during the MCO. Oh, it seems like a lot of people lost their jobs during MCO and business has shut down. These businesses cannot sustain during the MCO since it is a very long MCO. March 2020 until now we're still in an endemic environment whereby people can roam around freely. You can imagine that. I agree with what Miss Aini mentioned just now. When there is no job security, it has impacted the employment of a lot of Malaysians. Uh, Miss Aini, uh, may I know? Do you have anything else to add up? Um, to add up to that, apart, uh, uh, other than just um, low income parents facing during the MCO, I, I think most importantly is to highlight the fact that. 
um, a lot of like low income families uh, depend on their uh, uh, even uh, monthly um, commitments or also monthly um, salaries. So if they are cut um, by half even of their salary and some of them um, uh, lost their job, um, they could hardly actually feed their family. So um, this has not just happened to a lot of like low income but also middle income. Yeah, true. I believe the most essential issue that low-income parents have faced during the MCO is to emphasize the reality that many low-income families rely on monthly earnings and it can't be sustained during MCO. Everyone is struggling to find a source to resume survival for their life. So, if their wage is cut in half and some of them lost their jobs, they will be unable to feed their families. This also not only affects the low-income B40, but even middle-income people such as M40 and T20 were affected too. Yeah, Sharifa, maybe you wanna ask Miss Aini something? Uh, Miss Aini, as we all know, white flags could be seen flying outside homes and poverty relief organisations across Malaysia this past few months. As citizens, they cried out for food and also other assistance, right? Uh, so, in your point of view, do you think the poor in Malaysia can cope with the challenges posed by the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, we, we can't just like um, let the poor handle the problems themselves. I, I think most importantly is um, during an unprecedented time like this, um, the government especially plays um, a very big role to ensure um, the security of the people um, to, re- to, to sustain, to remain sustainable. Uh, and that is the most important thing, especially during this unprecedented time um, where a lot of people are challenged with um, a lot of issues. And uh, well, of course, the poor or like these kind of families cannot afford to just like depend on themselves with the salary that they, they have monthly. Um, and even some would have like weekly or daily um, um, salary, depending on daily and um, uh, weekly salary. So I think most importantly is the government that has to play a vital role to ensure um, the, the, the families, especially those who needed help at this point of time, um, are helped. Yeah, I mean, like, we're talking about a big issue right here, man. I mean, who else has the power to make such great changes to the country other than the government itself? Right. Yeah. So just like Miss Aini said just now, which I totally agree with her, the government plays a critical role in ensuring the security of the people in order to, you know, to to continue and also to remain sustainable. Uh I think so too, Sharifa. Alright, so Moving on to the next question, um, speaking in terms of poverty and prices, Malaysia's higher GDP rates result in malnourishment and slow growth. In Malaysia, 12% of children eat fewer than 3 meals per day and 97% of households reported that the cost of food was prohibitively expensive, which limiting their ability to prepare healthy meals for their children. Hence. Miss Aini, um, may I know what are your thoughts on the government's and also non-governmental organizations' contributions in order to resolve this issue uh, to help Malaysia's economy and food supply? Um, I think 
at the moment now, um, there is no sync, a proper sync of um, the contribution by the government and non-governmental um, organizations. You know, NGOs especially have their own ideas on how they want to run things on, on different kind of ways to run and solve um, problems at hand. All right. Uh, and that is quite a problem as well because there is no um, um, a proper or, or a sync um, kind of work to ensure that the real root problem is solved. And also government, since we, I think we have to accept the fact that, you know, we have to openly accept the fact that, you know, um, instability of the government or political um, um, governance in Malaysia has caused a lot of like these social problems to continue. And that is why I, I think almost um, a lot of like these problems can't be solved at the moment right now because of the political instability in Malaysia. And um, I, I think um, government has not played um, their role um, and, and then taking up their most important responsibility and accountability towards helping to ensure that poverty and also uh, malnourishment, especially said, um, is, is addressed. And, and that is actually one of the biggest problems because um, these people, this group of people has nowhere to turn to um, uh, when there is no aid. Um, uh, it's a long-run aid from the government and always expecting the NGOs, especially who does like public um, fundraising, um, to help them on daily basis, which is very, very unsustainable to ensure their longevity of life, lives, of, of course. Um, because we, in, in, a, in, in, in order for us to actually save or, or actually help to, to resolve this issue, issue is actually to go to the root cause of the problem. As I said many times just now, job security, employment, minimum wage, um, you know, all this basic, in, in fact, in fact, um, I, I would like to stress on also basic infrastructure. If you look into Sabah and Sarawak, for example, they are not just having problems with job security, but also basic infrastructures like roads, water, electricity, which this is pretty much a very, very basic issue, but it's still a rampant or rapid um, big issue in Malaysia, especially those in, in rural areas. And when it comes to like there, when it comes to talk about we talk about uh, basic facilities or infrastructures like this is still a problem. It makes up to other kind of like issues like malnutrition because you can't transport um the food um security to this um a group of people, education of the children. When there is a stock of education of the children, then that will actually cause a lot of like uh, problems in the future. The problem is because of the political instability, they cannot, the government cannot oversee or actually cannot over, uh, cannot think in future of like five to ten years to come. For example, what happened to our children if we're, we're not um, focusing on their education? So. What I can uh, wrap up here is that uh, in Malaysia, the government's or political governance instability has led many of these societal problems to persist and uh, this is why they cannot be solved. And then uh, Ms. Aini also uh, mentioned that uh, due to Malaysia's political unrest, uh, the government has said to have failed to play its part in elevating poverty and malnutrition. May I ask, do you have a strong belief that COVID-19 is causing child malnutrition during this pandemic? COVID-19 is not the only um, cause um, to malnutrition uh, malnutrition around the world or in Malaysia. Malnutrition has existed um, way before um, the pandemic comes in. It has been there for many, many, many years. 
and um, it has costed um, yes of course a lot of children around Malaysia and even around the world but this this whole pandemic just add up to like you know how bad it is uh, because people have no access to basic resources like food I agree Malnutrition is not caused solely by COVID-19, as it exists all over the world, including Malaysia. However, I would like to ask, what are your recommendations for prevention, given that pandemic-related economic contractions and disruptions to food and health systems now threaten to exacerbate maternal and child undernutrition? Well, well, as I as I said, it's a long journey that there's no just one specific um uh, role or one specific. Um, solution to to um, address malnutrition or hunger. It is a long journey where um, you know it, it costed like it will it should cause like the government or, or people around the world to to um, ensure that they can um, manage you know how to to feed children, how to ensure sustainability of the people. Sustainability of the people is uh, is actually very important to, um, to ensure that all these problems like malnutrition can be solved, all right? Because of, um, uh, as I said, job security, job employment, the employment is like one of the biggest issue. Uh, minimum wage, for example, is like one of the issue that has caused, it, um, that has caused uh, things like uh, malnutrition and uh, hunger. Exactly. People's sustainability is critical to ensuring that all of the problems associated with malnutrition can be resolved. Okay, let me emphasize it again, my dear listeners. Job security and employment are not among the most pressing issues. The minimum wage, for example, is one of the factors that has contributed to malnutrition and hunger. Brewing a part of consciousness with a side of wellness. Quench your curiosity with reality. In 1972, the Public Relations PR program was established. Our faculty recently celebrated their 50th anniversary and this course has been running for about 49 years, looking at the marketability for industry on PR needed in their organization. What are courses offered in our faculty? Principles of Public Relations, Writing for Public Relations, Public Relations in Government and Politics, Corporate Public Relations, International Public Relations, Financial in Public Relations, Public Opinion and Propaganda, Public Relations and Social Media. Well, there are so many courses available to us. Furthermore, why should public relations be prioritized? The answer is that opportunities abound in the public relations industry. The majority of key industry players and government agencies, including Shell, ExxonMobil, Madrid, PNB, Petronas, AASIA, and others. The program aims to produce public relations professionals and practitioners who are enthusiastic, knowledgeable, and capable of contributing to the PR industry and the country. And now we're back to our segment. Our former Prime Minister, Tun Dr. Mahathir Mohamad, once said that the fate of a united and prosperous Malaysia now lies with the young generation. Thus, Miss Aini, I would like to ask you, what can we do as youth to help achieve zero hunger? Also, I am sure that the audience would like to know like the initiative to achieve this goal in this country. 
Um, well, I don't like the specific um, um, question on like how we can address zero hunger per se, right? But I think um, youth around the world, even in Malaysia especially, has come up with like a lot of like non-profit um, organizations. Um, just like what what um, a Happy Bank, my organization is doing um, during the pandemic, where we help send um, food. But these are not sustainable solution um, towards um, uh, towards um, overcoming, um, uh, of course, um, zero hunger. It's not. Uh, it's a one-off solution. But during this um, unprecedented and challenged time. Um, we know that you know people think of food on daily basis, especially those who are in need of help. Yeah, I mean, zero hunger is definitely not a one-time solution, but it is necessary at this unusual and challenging moment. However, I must say that your Happy Bank organization is a brilliant initiative in helping the ones in need. Don't you think so, Rhoda? Hmm. That is what I was thinking to Sharifa. Miss Aini's initiative in helping the underprivileged by opening Happy Bank should be praised and emulated by many, right? As uh, we all know, Kuala Lumpur and Selangor are two of Malaysia's most important and capital cities. So why does this issue still occur in such urban areas? Let's just go straight, I think, to the problem, which is minimum wage in Malaysia. Uh, we, we still are still debating. We still have a lot of debates on how um, um, poverty, especially in terms of like um, um, impacted by minimum wage. You know, the cost of living in Malaysia, especially in urban areas like Kuala Lumpur, Johor Bahru, is very high. You know, people had to like um, concentrate on paying their rents. Um, they have to pay for um their um a lot of like their, their commitments you know and especially living in urban areas you need transportation on your own etc there is no proper um transportation system that could help um uh, unlike you see like other kind of countries but but the problem is also minimum wage that has not helped um to be improved um uh, by the government after many many change of the government um and I think it's also very very important to address the root cause of the problem that leads to poverty and malnutrition, which is um, the food security, the, the, the um, uh, job security that can ensure people to come out from poverty. And I think um, the government plays also uh, one of the biggest roles to ensure that, you know, um, uh, basic necessities or basic resources like homes, uh, basic homes, um, um, job job security for, for the people are well maintained or uh, actually be addressed at. That is one of interesting justification, Ms. Speaker. What I can summarize here, I would say that the concern here is regarding the government has not improved the minimum wage in many years and the change of government has addressed the fundamental cause of the problem that leads to poverty and malnutrition, which is in this context are food security and work security which can assist people escape from poverty. Uh, Ms. Aini also uh, points out that the government performs the most important role in ensuring that the fundamental essentials or basic resources such as housing, basic homes, as well as job security must effectively maintain and provide it for the people. Ms. Aini, when it comes to potential solutions or preventive measures, youth involvement is very, very crucial in this situation. Am I right? May I ask as to your hopes for youth involvement in this issue in order for Malaysia to have a better future in terms of food hunger issues for the sake of our own next generation. I hate to say this, but um, I've been I, I've been in like um, the NGO work for the past 
more than 10 years since I was in law school. And I think most importantly is uh, we have to, uh, the youth have to accept that, you know, um, via political um, involvement is like one of the best ways to actually change a lot of like the the regulations, the policies um, um, that is going, that is affecting um, people around in Malaysia. Um, and I think youth, um, although we are very consistent in making sure that you know, throughout our work in um, NGOs, for example, non-governmental organizations could actually help a lot of like this um, poor families or families in need. But we must also also make sure that youth are given the chance or um, the abilities, capabilities to, to, to um, uh, run uh, the country and, and better up the um, policies and um, the laws and also regulations in Malaysia to ensure a better um, lives for everybody. I couldn't agree more. Non-governmental organizations have the potential to assist a large number of people. Poor families or families in need must ensure that the youths are given the opportunity or the abilities to run the country and improve policies, among other things, to ensure a better life for all. For the next question, Miss Aini, may I know, what are your thoughts on um, pertaining whether the governments around the world have taken adequate preventive measures to achieve zero hunger? You may also provide your own reasons to back up your claim. I cannot say, like, you know, um, government around the world per se the, taking enough action. Different government around the world take various kind of actions and positions, especially um, in terms of dealing with zero hunger. There is no, not one country has solved um, hunger, zero hunger or, or even this. Because um, um, there's a lot of like issues, not just because of the pandemic that has caused um, um, uh, hunger or, or even like this um, issues of zero hunger. So I, I don't think I'm in a position to actually tell like what's the exact uh, play or, or role uh, played by um, government around the world to ensure zero hunger. I agree that different governments around the world are taking various actions and positions in the fight against hunger. Similarly, no single country can solve the problem of hunger, as you mentioned Miss Aini, zero hunger. Because there are many similar issues not only because of the pandemic that caused the famine, but also because of this issue of zero hunger. So that concludes our discussion for today's episode. However, we would like to quickly summarize our takeaways, okay? Uh, I must say that food security is becoming increasingly essential to fulfill the demands of millions of low-income individuals and also families. And uh, I also think that Malaysia, via its government and corporate institutions, ought to work hand-in-hand in order to attain food security. What about you, Rauda? Hmm, that's a good point, Sharifa. Hunger is the leading cause of death in the world. Our planet has provided us with tremendous resources, but due to unequal access and inefficient handling leaves millions of people malnourished. I do believe that if the government works together with its people, we can eradicate world hunger. Yes, that is true, Rauda. Although we might not be able to solve this issue completely, I strongly believe we, as the youth, must play our role in combating hunger and malnutrition in this country. Mm, besides, we need to address the root cause of the problem that leads to poverty and malnutrition which are food insufficiency, job insecurity and political instability. 
don't you think so, Izlin? Exactly, Najma. Also, I would like to emphasize once more that youth must accept the fact that political participation is one of the best ways to actually change a lot of the regulations and policies that affect people in Malaysia. And youths are very consistent in ensuring that throughout their work in NGOs. Alright, to quickly recap, we can say that those in need are no longer merely the homeless digging for scraps on the streets. The needy may now be well-dressed and have a place to live. It is true that the youth may not be able to fully combat this issue, but how can we just sit there and, you know, do nothing after having seen so much? These issues will evolve and affect the future generation. And I'm sure that we definitely do not want that to happen, right? Therefore, let's do our part in ensuring every level of income group can enjoy equal opportunities. Uh, too bad our time is running out. So, to finish, we would like to say thank you to our honorable guest, Miss Aini Hazika, for taking time from your busy schedule to be the guest speaker at our podcast. I hope it is beneficial to the listeners and we will help to combat this issue together. Thank you very much. Not to forget, our beloved listeners, we thank you for taking the time to listen to our episode. We greatly appreciate your interest and attention. We hope that SDG2, Zero Hunger, which is part of the title of our podcast episode this time, will benefit all of our listeners. Looking forward to the next reality. Thank, thank you, everyone. Brewing a pot of consciousness with a side of wellness. Quench your curiosity with reality.